There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Rather, it's positive or negative. Minnesota Sports Chat has you covered. Talking nothing but Minnesota sports all year long. It's time now for the soon-to-be award-winning, if only in his own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat with your host, Ross Brendel. Yeah, here we go. Welcome inside edition number 173 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Minnesota Sports Chat is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can now see my ugly mug and the beautiful faces of the guests on this pod on YouTube. Just search my name, Ross Brendel, or Minnesota Sports Chat. Purple Insiders and Bring Me the News is Brian Murphy in moments on the Vikings and the Twins and some other shenanigans. But before that, you know the drill. Please, I implore you, rate and review this podcast on Apple and Spotify. And please, perhaps the best thing you can do, tell your family and friends all about this podcast. Word of mouth is still big and means a lot to me. That would be much appreciated. So thank you so much in advance for doing that. Mr. Murphy, aside from passing you in the hallways from time to time at Hubbard Broadcasting and interacting on that Twitter machine, this is the first time I've had a chance to do anything with you in some form of a professional capacity. So thank you for making time for me. Yeah, no no problem, Ross. I know you've been a big fan and supporter and interactor on Twitter, so all good. It's a Friday morning. Well, we're going to talk Vikings and Twins, but then I'm going to have some fun with you at the end. So I think we'll start with Team 1A in town, which is always the Minnesota Vikings, whether they're 13-4 and or 4-13. and I know you're doing work at Purple Insider. You've covered the Vikings. General thoughts and opinions on the 2023 Minnesota Vikings as camp gets set to fire up here. You know, for me, I I think this might be one of the most um, uh, unsure seasons that I've kind of looked into. You know, I'm I'm really, really not certain what this team is going to be. I think last year I had a pretty good idea that they were going to be a playoff contender. Uh, Of course, all eyes were on – new coach Kevin O'Connell and what, what his impact was going to be. And then the season took off and became this unbelievable fairy tale of magical finishes and incredible feats and, and drama. Um, and then they ultimately lost in the first round of the playoffs, which is kind of what I thought they would do in August. <laughs> but this season, I don't know. I, I They didn't get markedly better. They peeled off some pieces. They added a few pieces. But I don't think anybody believes they're going to be able to catch lightning in a bottle the, w- the way they did week after week in 2022. And I don't see 13 game victories on the horizon. This is probably a team that's going to scrap for nine, maybe 10. Uh, but I, what I'm really intrigued by is, is the dyna- the shifting dynamics of the NFC North. We have, you know, for the first time in 15 years, Aaron Rodgers is no longer in the division. You have uh, Jordan Love taking over, uh, in Green Bay, you have Chicago that seems to be ready to explode because of their draft capital and, and how they tanked last season to set the table for future success. And now you've got the Detroit Lions who suddenly seem to be a national darling because of the antics of Dan Campbell and what they were able to do last year despite a six-game 
losing streak early in the season, how they got hot late and basically snuffed out the Packers on that final Sunday night and, you know, put Aaron Rodgers on the on the path to uh, to moving on to New York. So I, I really am going to be curious more about how the division shapes out in the first couple of months of the season than the Vikings, because I, I kind of feel like we're, we know what the Vikings are. We're pretty familiar with who they are, especially a quarterback now with O'Connell in his second year. The offense is pretty much unchanged. Can they improve defensively? Uh, I, I want to see how the rest of this division shakes out. On the division, you're a Michigan guy, I believe, still at heart. Could this actually finally be the year of the Detroit Lions, the year of the cat, so to speak? Could this be it? I I, I would be fascinated to, to see if it were. Uh, I've got my parents visiting in town this weekend. I grew up in suburban Detroit, so, uh, you know, my dad's been a lifelong Lions sufferer, so... I, I've been asking, what's the vibe back home? You know, what's 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 the vibe on, in the media? What's the vibe among the fan base, among families? I think there's trepidation and cost, uh, cost, cautious optimism, mainly because Lions fans aren't like Vikings fans who have been tortured by awful defeats and, and really dramatic self-inflicted wounds. The Lions have just been horrible. So there's really not a lot to measure it against. And I, 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 I get the feeling there's a certain sect that are waiting for the other shoe to drop uh, that this is a franchise and a team that cannot handle heightened expectations because even if there's been a whiff of those over the years with Calvin Johnson or the Joey Harrington era, all those uh, Matthew Stafford misfires, uh, they couldn't get it done then. Uh, what, you know, this is a team that didn't make the playoffs. They, they, they knocked the team out of the playoffs in week 17, but they didn't make the playoffs, but they were kind of a popular hard knocks, addition last offseason so I think I think there's a sense that if 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 this is indeed not the year it could be a year on the road to the year and again because the I think there's a sense that the Vikings are descending and the Packers are certainly descending that this is a time for Detroit and Chicago to step up so I'd, I'd love to see what what it would be like if they were 10 and two and what that town would be like going into like, say a meaningful Thanksgiving game where it's actually a great game as opposed to foisting another horrible game on the, on the rest of the country. You have an interesting perspective here with your perspective. You mentioned your father's perspective, the family perspective. I always, I don't know if you can draw a true comparison here, but I do love the question. What is tougher on a fan? Being somebody like the Vikings who historically every eight to 10 years go to an NFC championship game, all those Super Bowl appearances back in the late 60s or excuse me, 70s into the 70s. Or is it tougher being a Lions fan where in general, there's just never really any hope? What is what is tougher on a fan? I my opinion would be uh, suffering for 65 years of mediocrity at best and, you know, falling face first for most of them. I, that to me would be harder. Now having, you're right. I do have an interest. I grew up a Lions fan, moved here professionally and started covering the Vikings. So I don't have the battle scars that fans do here who grew up and, and had to endure the four Super Bowl losses and the subsequent NFC championship game losses. I love to say that the, the the Lions have won one playoff game in 65 years, and I was there. <laughs> it was an NFC divisional game in 1991 at the old Pontiac Silverdome, and they beat Dallas pretty well. That I was there for. I, I personally feel like if you've never really enjoyed any kind of success 
or put yourself in a position to have some of the epic failures the Vikings have, I think that would be tougher because you're not relevant and you're a laughing stock. And I, I would rather, you know, I'd rather be at, I'd rather make my appearance at the dance than never go at all. And I think, you know, with, with Vikings fans, obviously they've had so many, so many defeats that have really been that soul crushing. However, they are perennially contenders. I mean, for every three and 13 season they've had, and they haven't had very many, they always bounce back. You know, you never go five, six years without a playoff berth or being in the conversation. So I would say the Vikings resiliency over the last 50 plus years as being a, a, a usually a playoff contender would be a more enjoyable experience. Yeah, and I don't know how many times you have to get to that front door before you eventually kick it open and walk through the door to your championship or knock it down and break through. But I, I kind of liken it to those 1990s Atlanta Braves who seemingly were always in the mix. Eventually they got theirs. And that's always been my hope with the Vikings. Eventually, you'll show up to an NFC championship game and just win it because you showed up. You know, the Vikings have showed up to play other teams and they've been that doormat. Maybe eventually they will be the team that actually shows up and wins the game. One final question on this year's Minnesota Vikings squad. You mentioned that most people probably, I think level-headed people, don't envision another 13-4 and four season. And neither do I. But I do think, even though you're kind of back stuck in the middle, if it's a 9-8 and eight team or 10-7 and seven team that performs well, I, I think we have every reason to believe the offense should be hopefully just as good, if not better. It's hard to believe the defense could be much worse. So if you go 9-8, and eight, you go 10-7, and seven, maybe you make the playoffs again. Heck, maybe you win a game. I know the ultimate goal is to win a championship, but I still think it can be a fairly successful season that gives fans a reason to watch and pay attention, even if you aren't 13 and four. Yeah, they're going to be interesting enough for the fan base to be engaged. I mean, the fan base is always going to be engaged, but I think they're intriguing enough. And I think they've got enough pieces and enough talent uh, that week to week, I don't see them stumbling out to a one and six start. I don't see them racing out to a six and one start, but I think there's going to be enough relevance. I think there's going to be enough compelling things to watch throughout the season. Again, it, it, it comes down to Kirk Cousins. And I think, uh, you know, I think Netflix and, and the quarterback documentary, for those who've watched it, I'm about halfway through it. I, I'm already amazed at how how much that it was able to humanize Cousins and show. I, I think we all kind of knew how tough he was because of his durability and how many games he starts. But I think he may have taken some of the edge off uh, of the, the fan base's skepticism of him. He still needs to deliver. You know, he's still corny dad guy uh, wearing plaid <laughs> and, and making dad jokes. But I think I, I think they th- this documentary's done something I didn't think was possible, which is frame Cousins more in a positive light. And look, the Vikings still haven't resolved what they're going to do with him yet. I mean, he's playing out his contract. If he has another big season, he's going to cash in again. Are they going to, you know, pony up for a 35-year-old? Or are they going to start over again? There's a lot at stake for Cousins. There's a lot of stake for the new front office and the new regime, the second year regime. I think that's going to be compelling enough uh, to carry through a, a season in which, again, I think it's you're going to have a lot of eyes on Chicago and Detroit more so than Minnesota and Green Bay. But look, they won 13 games in dramatic fashion and then kind of face planted against the Giants. And I guess it was an okay season, but again, at the end of the day, they probably should have beaten that Giants team at home. And then you could say you have a successful season. So if they go nine and eight, and somehow win a playoff game, 
you can almost say that's going to be more successful than last year was, even if the the statistics or the numbers aren't quite as as entertaining. Look, you're never going to have a Buffalo game again. You're never going to have a historic comeback against Indianapolis all in one season again. You're never going to have the double doink in the uh, in London against New Orleans. I mean, every game last season came down to something, somebody making a play, something weird happened. I don't think you can count on that level of drama this season, but I don't think it's going to be any less intriguing to see where this team comes out. Brian Murphy is the guest on edition number 173 of Minnesota Sports Chat. Find him on that Twitter machine at Murph Media underscore. That's at Murph Media underscore. Can also find his work at Purple Insider and bring me the news. Let's transition to a quick hit on the Minnesota Twins. Uh, I just want to get your opinion on something. I, I don't remember the exact date or exactly how it all transpired. But I remember the moment the Twins kind of went into this three-year malaise. It's when they blew a game against the Pittsburgh Pirates in a three-game series. And this was a a more awful version of the Pittsburgh Pirates than the one we're seeing now, even though they've kind of reverted back to being the Pittsburgh Pirates. This was in that COVID season. The Twins kind of squandered a game late, early in the year against the Pirates. And Murph, it just hasn't been the same. This is a team that's now been under 500 for basically the last three years. They're floating around 500 again this year. I still think they're going to win the division. It may be more by default than anything else. But I just, it's it's so, it's not easy to look and say it's this person's problem or it's this person's problem. It's that player's problem. It's just, it's a whole organizational thing to me, Murph. Have you, have you ever been around a team or seen a team on any level? And maybe I'm overstating it. But it just literally seems like this organization has gone through the motions now for three, three and a half years. It never gets super thrilling. It never hits rock bottom. It is just this even keel right around 500. Oh, well, if we win, great. If we lose, ah, we'll go get them tomorrow. But there's not always a tomorrow if you don't win the games at hand. So I'm just I'm entirely perplexed by what is happening at Target Field the last few years because I look at this team and I said this in a recent podcast edition. There's a line in Moneyball where Brad Pitt's talking to his scouts, if you ever saw that, and the scout says, scout says, well, he's a good hitter. And fake Billy Bean, a.k.a. Brad Pitt, says, well, if he's a good hitter, why doesn't he hit good? Okay, I look up and down this Twins lineup and the pitching staff, who I'll give credit to, aside from most of the relievers, you look at this team and say, this is a good team. This should be a good team. They should be much better than floundering around 500. What is the issue here? What's the problem? Uh, I think it it is top down. I think there's a there's been a lack of accountability. I think there's been a, a country club attitude both in the front office and, and in the clubhouse and and under manager Rocco Baldelli, where it's it is that sort of yeah we'll get him tomorrow we'll get him tomorrow and look this is the only reason they're not storming Target Field with torches is because it's the AL Central. If the Twins were in the AL East, they'd be. Uh, be they'd be left out of town right now. But the mm-hmm. fact is, look, nobody's going to win the American League Central. Somebody's going to end up with more wins in the American League Central. That's a great way of putting it. I, I just don't see anybody emerging and and beating anybody in a best of five series, anybody from the AL East. So it seems like, yes, the Twins are probably going to backpedal into another division flag, and they're going to drag that 18-game post season losing streak into the press conference and again explain this isn't all our baggage this is 20 years old we've got our team 
just go out and win game one. That's all you just that's that's what they need to do to to solve that. But you're right, it's a pretty uninspiring bunch. It's um the the, the hitting issues are systemic. It, it's we it's been talked about ad nauseum throughout the season that their approach isn't working. Um they swing at horrible pitches, they take strikes, and the, the level of quality at bats has really been wanting and their inability to produce with the bases loaded with running runners in scoring position. Look, they had a pretty good road trip. I mean, they swept Oakland. They took the first couple in Seattle, and then they lose 5 nothing yesterday to kind of limp home, and you're wondering, well, this is exactly the kind of team they've, they've been all season. I mean, I'm just looking at a few stats here. Uh, Joey Gallo, 7 for 34 in July. That's 118. Uh, Christian Vasquez, 4 for 36 since June 27th. That would be 111. <laughs> Byron Buxpin is, was 0 for 4 yesterday, 0 for his last 26, and 1 for 35 since July 5th, after being benched for two games. This is your best player who was just benched for two games. Max Kepler seems to have finally found himself. Uh, but beyond that, I don't, you know, you go into a game and you don't feel very inspired. You feel like if they can win three to two because of their starters and, you know, Duran comes in throwing 150 miles an hour at the end, that's probably the way, that's their, that's their recipe for success, but it isn't sustainable. And what's, you know, when you strike out 12, 14, 15 times a game, you're not really putting a quality product out there that's even worth watching. So all the changes being made for two hours and 30 minute games, at the very least, the Twins aren't playing bad baseball for four hours. They're only <laughs> playing it for two and a half. But it is it can be unwatchable at times. And it's just odd that they are very likely going to win this division. And I can't see anybody in town being fired up about a first round matchup against fill in the blank. Uh, Baltimore, Toronto, Tampa. <laughs> in which, by the way, will only be a three-game series in that first round. So you, you better... Oh, you, right. you did be- I say best of five earlier? No, no, you didn't. But it's just it's a reminder that you better come ready to hit because if you don't steal, or I guess, well, it probably would be steal even if you're hosting it. If you don't win game one, well, then you're already looking at 19 playoff losses in a row, and it's really easy to see how that turns into 20 and your season's over. So... At some point, the lineup has to stabilize itself a bit, but we're four months into the season, so there's really no reason to believe that it will. Very quickly on stats and sabermetrics and all that fun stuff, I'm a firm believer in having all the data you can use it, but you have to pair it with the human element and how guys are reacting that day, maybe how the manager feels, maybe how certain players actually hit against a certain pitcher. All you need to know about the OPS plus stat, Murph, is that it says Joey Gallo is a better-than-league average hitter. If Joey Gallo is a better-than-league average hitter... Then why ne- isn't he a better-than-league average hitter? <laughs> correct. We're as, never... We're never as Billy Bean would say. Correct. We're never looking at that stat again if he is a better-than-league average hitter. All right, very quickly, we are recording this on a Friday morning, July the 21st. I am just crushing some coffee this morning, some Perfectus blend. A quick caffeinated shout-out to my friends at Beans Coffee Company for supporting Minnesota Sports Chat. Beans Coffee Company, they truly do have a blend for everybody. Light roast, medium roast, dark roast, you name it, they have it. Check out all the blends at coffeebybeans.com. That's coffeebybeans.com. There you can order by the bag, or you can even set up a subscription, have it delivered to you weekly or monthly. It's simply delectable, and it's simply that easy to do. Coffeebybeans.com. Use the promo code SPORTSCHAT. That's SPORTSCHAT, and you'll save at checkout. They also ship for free on all orders of $35 or more. 
That's coffeebybeans.com, promo code SPORTSCHAT. All right, Murph, I'm going to give you five filler questions. It is a game inspired. That's not how we say game. It's not a game. It's a bit inspired by Phil Mackey from Score North, hence the name five filler questions. I just ask you random questions. You answer. They can be as short or as long as you want them to be. Does that sound fair to you? Yes, and okay. let's let the audience know I have not been previewed on this. Yeah, right? you yeah, you have no idea what these questions are. Some are sports-related, some aren't. Here's your cheap podcast open with the real one still in production. Five filler, filler, filler questions. All right, here's a compliment that I'll pay to you, Murph. You, I hope I can call you Murph if I can't just yell at me. You have an incredible wit, especially on the Twitter machine. I'm not lying. I still giggle about your tweet, and you probably don't even remember it because you're so witty and you have so many. You had one earlier this winter. I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't remember it exactly, but the tweet was basically, yet again, winter sneaks up on the city of St. Paul, and I <laughs> I still laugh at that every time I am driving those awful roads in the winter because it is so true and so comical. Where do you attribute that wit coming from? Oh, well, definitely my my family's. I grew up in two, uh, I fortunate growing up in suburban blue collar Detroit uh, with uh, my father and my mother, both large extended Irish Catholic sports fanatic, movie fanatic, television show fanatic, music fanatic, uh, work hard and play hard fanatics. So i since I was a little kid, I've been surrounded by uh, people one up, one upping themselves, self-deprecating humor, uh, sarcasm, uh, both in the households, on the screens. Uh, it, it's just you know that's that's how you survive. I mean, the superstars in my life were are, are my father and my uncle Terry, and watching them go at each other on a on a Christmas morning or St. Patrick's Day. I mean, that's that's probably where a lot of that came from. And the introduction to to, to funny movies and television shows and comedians and. I just I've been kind of absorbing that whole world since. And I think as I've gotten older, just my my irreverence comes from a place of I, I just don't take this all too seriously. And if you do and you're offended, then maybe you should have a few more laughs in life. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm I sure I take out too much guardrail on on Twitter, especially now that I'm no longer like tied to a particular media company. I can I can uh, go rogue a little bit more. Uh, but we, I, I, don't, I don't know if that. I mean, I think it's in the in the genes. I, I just I, I grew up around uh, smart Alex all my life. Absolutely love and adore that answer and really do appreciate that way of life. Some of us are here for seven, seven years. Some are here for one hundred and seven. We have no idea how long. Just enjoy it. Well, we can. Here's a sports-related one for you. Question number two of five filler questions. When I say Ernie Harwell's name, of course, the legendary Detroit Tigers broadcaster who spent about 40 years with the club, what's the first thing you think of when I say Ernie Harwell? Uh, falling asleep. Uh, really? Him. Falling asleep. No, no, no. Okay, falling in a asleep, good way. Him, in a good way. Listening to him doing a game out in Anaheim or Seattle. Uh, or Oakland, you know, when I'm eight, nine, 10 years old, and there were only, you know, 20 Tigers games on TV a year, Ernie Harwell was your, was your uh, artist, he was your painter, he was a poet, uh, brilliant play by play man, and just fun to listen to. And uh, yeah, I, I grew up listening to him and, you know, like people here with Herb Carneal, you know, they had the transistor radio on uh, mowing my grandfather's lawn, He's, he was the soundtrack of summer. 
And uh, fortunately, when I was growing up, the Tigers were really good in the early to mid 80s. So, I mean, there was a lot of excitement coming out of that transistor radio. What sports assignment, Murph, would you do anything to not cover? You would do your best to avoid (laughs) it. You knew it was coming and you were going to fake sick, go out of town, start a beef with somebody so you wouldn't have to go. What, What did you just dread covering? I'm sure some of my uh, former colleagues uh, getting ready for uh, next week when, would concur. I would say NFL training camp, uh, especially <laughs> in Mankato, mainly because you knew what the half-baked storylines were going to be. You knew how difficult it was going to be to get information. Uh, it, you know, it's packed journalism at its worst, and it was a thousand degrees every day. And you're standing on that sideline in Mankato watching seven-on-seven drills where nothing is happening and you know anything you write today is going to line a birdcage by week one (laughs) and be totally irrelevant and just being out there roasting i remember leaning over to somebody and saying you know why is it that when you go to spring training and it's 85 degrees in february and you're roasting under that sun at the batting cage why that feels so much better than standing here on the sidelines in 85 degree heat in mankato watching uh NFL training camp just because it's so it's so regimented and I I don't feel there's not a lot of joy in it and 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 after you had done it for like 10 years and you're commuting back and forth between Mankato and the Twin Cities and it kind of wore on you two quick ones for you and it went and then I'll get you out of here and and on Mankato and that training camp stuff too very quickly actually it's all because you know we've been through three four months of heat at least when you go to training camp we're stuck in the cold or excuse me spring training you've been stuck in the cold so it feels great after you're escaping winter yeah exactly after you've had the heat for four or five months baking in that sun is just awful question number four a night at the movies or an evening on the couch reading a book what are you doing uh, it depends on what day and what mood. I, I don't go to as many movies as I used to. I really wish I could. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing Oppenheimer. I'm going to have to find a way, even if it's just myself, to go do that. I mean, a lot of the times when I was traveling, covering games and whatnot, I always went to movies uh, middle of the day in some town just because I enjoyed films uh, and I had nothing else better to do. Um, <laughs> but there are many, many times where I either I got a, a pot boiler thriller or a biography. I read a lot of sports and political and historical biographies and a lot of uh, true uh, crime fiction novels. Uh, depending on the time of day, depending on the weather out in the backyard, I mean, I, I think it's a 50-50 proposition. Um, but when there's an event movie coming out like Oppenheimer, uh, I will I will go to the screen first. Love that. I, I still think going to a movie is the closest thing you'll get to like a a mini vacation or a mind altering experience without actually taking any drugs. You can just shut off from the world and be in the movie theater for an hour and a half to three hours. Final question for you. Then we'll wrap this thing up. Think long and hard about this one. You can get controversial or comical, however you want to take it. What does the state of Michigan do better than the state of Minnesota? Or what does the state of Minnesota do better than the state of Michigan? Oh, wow. Um, I always say I'd love to move all my friends and relatives from Michigan here because I love living here. Okay. I miss the the Detroit, Michigan mentality, uh, which has got a little bit more of an edge to it, a little bit more of a... Uh, there's not as much passive aggressiveness in Detroit or Michigan where here it rains. (laughs) Yes, Um, it does. I don't know. I used to always say, like, well, that Minnesota had has ten thousand lakes, and Michigan has five really big ones. So I, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I love both places. I think there's a great sports market. There's a great Midwest 
kind of hardworking immigrant background mentality. There's a lot of similarities between the Twin Cities in Detroit and Michigan and Minnesota. Uh, but after being here for 23 years, I think Minnesota's home. I'm a huge fan of the Michigan left. I think we should all adopt that all throughout oh, the world. That's fascinating. Yeah. It does not exist anywhere else. Yeah. And I don't know the history of that engineering design, but for those who don't know, there are very few intersection left turns uh, in Michigan. You go past the intersection, you make a left and a U-turn, and that is the Michigan left. I, I love it. And you can actually watch YouTube videos on the Michigan left if you need to do that to familiarize yourself more. Uh, Murph, very quickly, where can people go to find more of your outstanding work and that charming wit on Twitter? <laughs> at Murph Media underscore. And I'll be uh, cranking up some work for Matthew Collar's Purple Insider vertical and uh, bring me the news as uh, training camp gets gets rolling here next week. Thank you for doing this, Murph. Uh, we ran a bit longer than I told you we would, so I appreciate that. And uh, tell your family I'm sorry for doing that to you. All good. They're just drinking <laughs> coffee. Perfect. This is Brian Murphy again at Murph Media underscore on the Twitter machine. That'll do it for edition number 173 of Minnesota Sports Chat. We have Patrick Royce on the horizon. Some other things I'm working on as well. By the way, Arena Football League back in Minnesota starting in 2024. Bring back the pike. Bring back the pike. We'll talk next week. Thank you so much.